From the Catholic Archdiocese of Adelaide and ArchD Radio and Podcasting, this is the Parishes of Adelaide podcast for Wednesday, June the 24th. I'm your host, James Meston. Today we'll be spending time at the Blackwood and Edwardstown parishes. Now, before we get started, I just want to tell you about a great extra feature we have here now. In addition to listening to the podcast, you can also ring on our voicemail line and record your own message to the Archdiocese for inclusion on the next episode. As this podcast is all about parishes and parishioners of Adelaide, it seems only fitting that we feature all those voices as much as we can. I'll include the number in the podcast show notes too, but if you call 8301 that's 83016633, and follow the automated prompts, you can be heard on the next episode of Parishes of Adelaide and it'll be great to hear from you. Okay, on with the episode. At Blackwood Parish, I met with Parish Priest Father Tony, Deacon T. Ping, and Pastoral Coordinator Charlie. We started with Deacon T. Ping reading and Father Tony reflecting on this Sunday's Gospel. The Lord be with you. Oh, with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus instructed the twelve as follows. Anyone who prefers father or mother to me is not worthy of me. Anyone who prefers son or daughter to me is not worthy of me. Anyone who does not take his cross and follow in my footsteps is not worthy of me. Anyone who finds his life will lose it. Anyone who loses his life for my sake will find it. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and those who welcome me welcome the one who sent me. Anyone who welcomes a prophet because he is a prophet will have a prophet's reward, and anyone who welcomes a holy man because he is a holy man will have a holy man's reward. If anyone gives so much as a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is a disciple, then I tell you solemnly, he will most certainly not lose his reward. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. It's quite interesting because um, this reading is really putting together a, a number of readings from uh, the other Gospels. Uh, Jesus has that moment where um, he's telling the disciples that unless they uh, put everything second instead of follow, well, put everything second after him, and, and it's in Luke, uh, then they're not worthy to be his disciples. And also uh, in, in um, the other Gospels, he talks about the fact that we're to take up our cross and follow him. If anyone would come after me, let them deny themselves daily, Luke says, take up their cross and follow me. For what does it profit them if they gain the whole world and yet forfeit their souls? And, and you know, if anyone tries to save their life, they will lose it. But if they lose their life for my sake and the gospel, let their lives go, the control of their lives, then they'll discover that their life is waiting for them and they'll miss out on nothing and they will be able to do what Jesus talks about later in this very reading here. Serve. Serve others. Show Jesus' love for others. 
And this reading really sums up that whole thing that the other readings are all saying. It's the heart of discipleship. We're called to let God lead our lives so that we can be free, free from all the things that would bind us, stop us being able to follow Jesus, things that we set up as gods otherwise, whatever they are. We'd be free from those things to be able to share Jesus' love, to show that service, that care, so that even in getting a glass of water for someone <laughs> is part of that. It sounds so much like we're giving up everything. We're giving up all the things that we would love to do and have. And to take up a cross sounds horrible, and it is. And Jesus is basically saying, look, you want to follow me, pick up your cross and come out and die with me. But it's actually in the freedom of saying yes to that, just as Jesus says yes to the Father on our behalf, that gives us the power, the power and the freedom to be able to really live. Because really living is about really serving, loving, as in doing what is, what is good for the other, for the other's sake. As soon as we try and grab it for ourselves, we stop doing that. And it just becomes about me trying to shore up my life for now. Elsewhere, Jesus promises this wonderful thing that we may feel like we're having to give up all sorts of stuff and missing out and so forth, but in actual fact, we won't be missing out on anything. I keep saying to everyone like a broken record. Actually, I, I say so much like a broken record from the pulpit. This life is just the beginning. It's just the training program, the tutorial program at the beginning where we're trying to learn how to live it. Uh, it's not even chapter one. I, I love that thing in uh, C.S. Lewis's Narnia Chronicles about the fact that finally, in the last book, finally the, 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 the characters are about to begin living. Chapter one is about to begin. Our life with God forever will see, will show us that we have not missed out on anything by learning to say yes to Jesus, taking up the cross and being disciples with him. The other thing that the people in the parish can tell you is that I just go on forever and ever and ever, so I really should shut up now. <laughs> but this is really where we, we have been heading, and we've been heading as we've been going through all the daily readings, uh, through all this stuff as we've gone on the going through, sorry, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says it all the time. Um, and as I always say, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. The disciples needed to ask the Holy Spirit to help them to learn how to do this too, because that's discipleship is about learning it, and it does take a lifetime. But the more we learn, the more we realize how true Jesus' words are. We can't love our neighbour as ourselves if we haven't actually learned to love God. We can't love those that we put uh, following Jesus, like father and mother and so forth. We can't learn, learn to love them until we've learned and begin to learn to love Jesus and let him love us. So, on we go, and may the Holy Spirit help us, um, because we need it. And our world needs it. We're just living in a mess, so we need it. <laughs> we so need it. 
Yeah. Amen. Oh, okay, quick. Quick. Go to the next <laughs> thing. Amen. Oh, <laughs> well, it's lovely. I've had one opportunity, I think, in the past to hear you deliver a homily, Tony. Once when uh, you came down to Aberfall Parish, I think it was one evening, one vigil mass, um, you you were there um, filling in and you spotted me from, uh, I think, when you were actually up at the altar. Ah, oh, it's good to see a familiar face. So <laughs> that was nice because a fam- familiar faces, Tony, is what we are, Father Tony. See, I've got to get into the habit, like I say, I've got to get into the habit of saying that because uh, you and I have known each other for many years. We worked in the same office together for a while um, and this was before... Um, it's interesting to me that the reading today was about discipleship for this reason because... You and I met and got to know each other prior to your journey into the priesthood. When you look back now at what that journey has been for you, if you were to go back to to, to that time, what would you tell yourself now about what this journey of discipleship would have been like up until this moment? It's a it's a difficult question to answer, but it's not actually a difficult question to answer. Why is it difficult to answer uh, first? Uh, because there are so many emotions that fit fit with the journey. It, it is a terrible journey, uh, and I've never made any bones about that. Terrible? And those. What are, do you mean? Well... Sorry, I've got to keep interrupting because you keep dropping these huge, work, amazing words in. No, but you, 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 you work in the midst of the people of God in, a, in a, different, a different situation, and then you discover that God is calling you even further... And then everything stops and it takes years. I mean, it was six years before I could finally, well, celebrate Mass for the first time, but finally uh, celebrate the Eucharist again. Uh, and, and as I wrote to the people in Rome, I died every day. I die every day I can't go to the altar. It, it was a very long journey. And that whole business of not knowing whether anyone would ever, ever say yes or not, um, that was very hard. And I, I thank God so much for wonderful priests who just had the right word at the right time. Oh, Archbishop Philip for just continuing to, to support and to, to, to strengthen and encourage. And family, oh, my poor family at home. God, dear. Uh, and... and how, what was how was this whole experience for you? I mean, because you've you've come to the priesthood later, you you're already married with a family, well, um, and I, so I, I, what's I, that? Ex- what was that I, experience like I for them? I didn't. Uh, oh well, I can't speak for them. Okay. Uh, that that would be really inappropriate. This is my twenty sixth year of ministry, so I didn't actually come to it early. I came to the Catholic priesthood. Mm. Gosh, this is the sixth year now. It's extraordinary. Um, but to finish answering the first question, uh, I would warn myself about how difficult it is, but I would say uh, it's worth every minute. Uh, I, I know I'm home and I, I couldn't be happier being home and all our struggles and all our battles and all the things we've got to do, I know I'm home. I, I constantly look back at um, now St. John Henry Newman, who was an extraordinary inspiration because it was his journey too. He was once asked whether he'd ever thought about going back to where he was before, uh, and he said, not for a minute. 
And I've never thought that, never for a minute have I thought to go back. People will be aware that I came from the Anglican Church. And I would hate people to think, therefore, I hate the Anglican Church. I don't hate the Anglican Church at all. I learnt the Catholic faith in the Anglican Church. And what does that mean? That means that... To you. What does that, that mean to you? It means that from the moment I was baptised, way back, oh, God, <laughs> 55 years ago, um, to the moment when I was able to make my way forward uh, from the, the, the Anglican Church into the Catholic Church, I was learning the Catholic faith. I can never, ever be sad about having been part of that. Uh, and I just rejoice to know that I'm here I am. So, yeah, it was worth every minute. But I'll tell you what, it's huge, a shocker. So that moment when you were actually able to celebrate Mass for the very first time, oh. that must have been enormous. What was that like? Describe, was. That, describe that moment for me, That very the very first moment. I was nervous. Yeah. <laughs> uh uh, the 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 ordination itself was was quite interesting because I knew what to do. I'd run so many other people through ordinations by that point in time, uh, and various other people were doing things, and I, that was all fine. But it came to the mass, and you suddenly you're there in the midst of that. Oh, gee, how do you describe it? It it it's overwhelming to think what the Holy Spirit does at that moment through just ordinary human beings, taking those elements and turning them into Jesus' body and blood. And you get to, you hold the Lord of heaven and earth right there and you get to share that with other people. You know, you say those words, behold the Lamb of God. And you just stand, it's like, that's the Lamb of God. John the Baptist was carrying on it, but pointing this guy out. And here he is right <laughs> in front of us. You know, I love those old 1920s pickies. And the, the Orthodox love them too, actually. Not just the not just the Catholics. of All heaven suddenly zoop onto the altar. You know, there's angels, archangels, God knows what. And there's this, there's this, you know, the priest and the people all standing around there. Heaven and earth meeting. I think it, jumping forward to one of the questions, other questions, one of the hardest things about not being able to have everybody at church. <laughs> no, stop. That's my job to ask the question. You don't ask the questions. I'm, I'm not asking the question. I'm about to tell you <laughs> is the fact that though we are offering the Mass there and most of the time it's just me and the Lord there in the tabernacle, Though thankfully on the weekends the deacon, we couldn't share it with anybody. There's the Lord just desperately wanting to have communion with everybody and they can't be there. And it is just the greatest joy to 
although we're all pretty exhausted, but it's the greatest joy to have been able to burst on the scene with as many masses as we can possibly fit in legally. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get back to that in a second. I just, I, I want to just have a chat to um, the other people who yes, are here, please. just briefly, because no. there's See, I told in. you. Told you. Can't well, you're the one up. who's ans- answering questions I haven't even asked yet. You're, yes! You're- <laughs> you got to keep the media on their toes, mate. Come on. Oh, one more thing. I remember... When what? you were doing ArchD right. in the storeroom. Yeah, that's right. That was early days. It was early yep. days. The first, I remember. The first show we recorded in the, in the cupboard. That's right. Yep. And because and we had the, yeah, the thing on the cupboard. Anyway. Okay, go on. Now, now, Charlie, it's lovely to have you here too. Thanks for being here today. No, thank you for having me. Now, um, Char- what- Charlie's a legend, by the way. Okay, <laughs> that's good. I, I've, I've heard as much from, from other sources. So, Charlie, what's your official job title here at the parish? I'm called the pastoral coordinator. Okay. Now, the, the one thing that I have that I, you clearly observe when you see you is that it's you seem very young. <laughs> I it, knew that well, would not, come. No, no, not young, I guess, in terms of how young you are, but just young in comparison because it's yeah, like people who work yeah. in pastoral coordinator tend to be older. Um, how is it that you have made a decision to come and do this role kind of at a such a – I mean, how old are you? Do you mind me asking? Yeah, 19. So yeah, right. very young. Yeah. yeah. Why this job? Why now in your life? Good question. Um, I don't know. It wasn't really a hard decision. The job came up. I knew Tracy, the lady who was doing it before me, really well, and I'd done youth things with her um, up to that point, and I'd been part of the parish, and so it kind of just fell into place, and I, I prayed about it, and I thought a lot about it, and it just felt really right. And I remember talking to my dad about it one time, and he was like, why wouldn't you? Like, it feels so right. Everything up until now has led you to this with the things that you've done with the parish and your faith and your journey. Like, it just fits. Um, yeah. So Would that's- there be, if, if I was to ask you, was is there any specific moment that you felt was a kind of like, if you had to pick one moment to say that was a precursor to you moving mm. into this, this role, was there been a moment in your life, in your own faith journey that has led you here, do you think? Mm, that's a tough one. I don't think there was i think the main thing was probably just the importance of ministry in my faith and that it's not just about your personal faith but just yeah the importance of ministering to others and um yeah that was pretty special to me the ability to do that as a job yeah and has there been many defining moments i guess besides this and we'll get to this in a second but has there been Mm. any other kind of like defining moments over the the couple of years that you've been here now that has made you go, yes, I am in the right place for me. In terms of the job or yeah. in general? Um, well, yeah. I mean, I guess in terms of, I mean, in terms of being here in the parish and I guess not so much in the job, but I guess part of the job is that you're around the parish more. Mm. You've got to work directly with the parishioners more uh, and spend more time with them. So has that contact and that responsibility um, led you into, into, into places, into situations where you've really felt that, the choice that you made was the right one. Mm. Yeah, to be honest, it's been pretty up and down over the last two years of being in this job. Like sometimes it's really um, disheartening because a lot of my role is focused on youth and our parish is quite small and has a lot more old people. And yeah, I'm pretty much the only young person along with my family. We get a few here and there, but um, because of that, it's that makes the job quite difficult and also working with the young families with the sacraments and stuff. Um, But on the other hand, it's just so refreshing and um, 
I just love seeing the young people grow in the workshops that we do with them for the sacraments and even just boring old meetings with um, like whether it's um, pastoral council or something else about the newsletter. Like I just remember coming out of some of those meetings just feeling so just really joyful about um, spending time with the older people and gaining their wisdom and just talking about things and just seeing the way that people are working together to make this parish just come to life and I think that's really special. Um, I remember as well early on hearing Father Tony say how almost every single person in our parish is working in ministry and doing something for the better of the parish or the world and I just thought that was amazing and seeing that really inspires me. Was there a specific moment in your life early on when you first started attending Mass or you first got involved with the parish or with your faith that, that really stands out to you that, that you feel was kind of like a really like, um, like pivotal moment in, in your life? I don't think there was a big pivotal moment, but like I was, I've been brought up Catholic since I was very young um, and it's kind of, it was a slow journey and I think I was well, probably 16 when I first started to take it seriously Um and over Why 16? Oh, I'm not sure. I think it was just I was at that age where I was just sort of starting to question things and think about it mm. more. I can take it on for myself and not just follow along with it. Um, and over the past few years, um, I met my fiancé now who is um, he was part of the Baptist church. And in that um, and in attending some of those services, it made me question more the faith that I was a part of because it made me see the differences and it made me wonder like, why am I part of the Catholic Church? Yeah. What's so important about it? And so that made me look into it more for myself. Um, and, yeah, that led me to just realise how special the faith is to me and, um, and all the ins and outs of it and learning with my fiancé all the different um, aspects of the Catholic faith and the meaning behind everything has, yeah, that's really deepened my faith. Are you kind of... You, you mentioned before about really wanting to kind of like drive more youth ministry stuff in mm. the parish. I mean, how's that? Are you kind of any closer to 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 really generating like a strong youth ministry, um, even beginning of a youth ministry idea? I mean, I know that generally parishes are dictated to by the parishioners that are there. So mm. if the, the general congregation is an older congregation, it kind of self-perpetuates. It sort of does its yeah. own thing. And it's only when... I guess more young people start to come. It creates a, a tipping point of going. Okay, so we're now a, a parish that's, you know, um, either focused towards older people and young families, or we have a strong like teenage or young adult focus. I mean, how do you um, approach trying to actually generate more of that stuff mm. going on here at Blackwood? Because it's such a great spot for it. I mean, it's you know, there. There are so many sort of like you know like you know big high schools down the road. There's so many uh, young people. Uh, in the area it's not like it's an older population yeah i think it has made it harder that we're not directly attached to a school um yeah but the biggest or the best thing that we've done i think is moving away from the young adult ministry and trying to force what's not really coming despite us trying um and moving away from that and then focusing on the sort of the age group that we already have which is more like between six and eleven so we've started a youth group that is for that age group. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's been hard with coronavirus because everything's been cancelled for a long while. So there hasn't been a lot we can do. But prior to that, um, starting that youth group for the younger kids was really, um, yeah, really a good move, I think. It so was, how long ago was that that you started that? 
Um, it was in August last year. Okay, so you got a bit of time before all yeah, of this happened. Yeah, yeah, and we were doing two a month. So it was really awesome to see the kids grow in that time. In your role, you would have had a huge part to play in um, coming up with strategies to kind of work around all of what's happened through COVID-19, essentially. I mean, it's the, it's the only time that the church, in living memory anyway, has had to deal with anything like mm. this. I've got a photo here of us at home, me with my siblings. We're cutting out all of the... Um, the flyers that we sent out to everybody um, for the coronavirus so that everyone knew what was happening. So you had to contact people what, at their homes? Yeah, so what we did was we, together, Teeping and Father Tony and I and a few other parishioners as well, um, we called all the people that we knew um, as part of the parish and then we letterbox um, dropped all of these flyers and um, prayer cards a huge and things. Job. Yeah, you can see that. Oh, That's here we go. we sent out to everybody. Unfortunately, we made it and then because everything was just changing so rapidly, we had to make changes and cross things out before we sent them out. But I think it meant a lot to people to know that they were still remembered and um, not just kind of left in the lurch, mm. not knowing what's going on. T-Ping, um, tell me a little bit about what you have done as a parish in the meantime. Like I know we're now able to gather in mass again and I know you guys have been like literally working around the clock to like increase the number of masses so people can have that experience what other things have you guys done during this time to make sure that the people who are part of this parish still feel like there's a parish to be a part of because that would be the challenge right yes yes well i, I think the beauty of uh, blackwood uh, a parish that i dearly love is that we are very closely knitted uh what does that look like when you say uh, you're closely uh, knitted? well we, we we are very comfortable with everybody uh, everybody seems to know everybody, uh, uh, not not in a sort of nosy way, uh, and we are all very caring about everybody. Mm -hmm. So, so if you if you mention to me about somebody, I got some ideas who that person is, and because of that, I think it becomes very easy for me. Uh, so, so in a way, I feel uh, very passionate uh, in terms of getting in touch with people, calling people. Or when I see them in the shop, or when I see them in supermarkets, I will make sure that I go and say hello to them, because I feel that uh, this is this is their time for everybody to be connected and right. not to be left out, and and that is important. And and part of that also because I I am the chaplain down at Flinders Medical Center, so I get to see lots of people at the other end. Unless they give me permission, I cannot tell Father Tony who they are. Okay. So I get to know who is in there, who is not, who is in there but not here. So, so you can see that sort of bridges here and there that I'm trying to build to bring people in and bring people out and that sort of thing. And, and, and the way we got together and, and Father Tony was really good and I was really pleased. I thought, gee, that must be the Holy Spirit working. And I remember having a conversation with him, fearful and mindful that this thing is coming. And he said, oh, let's have a meeting. And we had that fateful meeting that day. And that's how we come up with this. Okay, t this tell me brochure. about the, tell me about the fateful meeting. What so happened at the fateful meeting? So we had a meeting, and and Father Tony said, "Okay, we're going to get and and do something, start planning." And I look at myself and say, "Gee, I think we're a little bit two or three weeks ahead of time, you know, in terms of timing." Yeah, because, right. Uh, because I, I look at China, I look at everywhere else, I roughly know that the trend is coming. Yeah. And we also know that this is a big trend. This is not your little choo-choo trend that's coming, and we're going to get hit. So we start talking about uh, uh, contacting people and then we start putting this thing together. Uh, then I got sort of a few photographs, uh, painting the, 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 uh, the Pope going to pray, pray to um, Our Lady icon, which is this one, which is in, in, in that brochure. Okay. So I 
I felt very strongly that we need to really have a focus on prayer. I mean, that, that's me. Uh, because I feel that when you are in a situation where you're isolated, when you feel hopeless, there's one thing that nobody can take away from you. It's between you and God and the relationship between you and our Mother Mary. Like I said to somebody this morning at the hospital, I said that, don't worry about it. You just lie down there and you know the Mother Mary is there with you all the time. Right. And then that's com comforting. And that's why I'm so excited when Pope Francis went to pray to uh, Our Lady, uh, this special icon. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, Charlie, that in, in a conversation about parish, talking mm. about personal experience and talking about personal faith journey, do you think that th having those kind of like experiences as individuals and experiences as families, to actually have those moments of growth in faith, um, do you think that when we all then join back together that that's going to have an impact yeah. on what you guys are going to be like as a parish community and, yeah, and how yeah. so absolutely i mean i know there are a few saints i can't think of the names but saying that like the importance of family and the faith within a family and i think and when i said before about looking inward i think it's more looking inward so that you can then look outward to other people mm. and ministry and faith is it should be driven or like in james how it says um faith without works is dead your faith should be driven by works but to do the works you need the faith so i think yeah everything really just stems from your own personal faith and going back to your other question before i realized that um the restrictions has given me a lot of time to spend more time in the word and spend more time in prayer um and it, it made me realize how busy i was before and that just the importance of taking the time to spend time with god and putting that above the busyness i think that's probably been the best thing for me coming out of this and I, I really hope i've heard that other people have had that experience too and i hope that lots have so that they can be re-focused on god This morning, I headed to Edwardstown Parish and participated in their 9.30am Mass before sitting down to chat with Father Philip, Parish Council Members Jeff and Randy, Parish Volunteer Sandra and Parishioner Georgia. Just prior to starting recording, Father Philip mentioned that when he had heard in the early stages that COVID-19 might be gaining momentum in South Australia, he predicted that it was going to have a sizable impact on parish communities. You predicted at the beginning, you said things are going to be difficult. You spoke to other priests about yes, it and they yes. agreed. Yes. Could I ask, was there anything that has been difficult or been a problem that you didn't predict um, that's taken you by surprise? You're talking about personally or for the Yeah, parish? no, for, yeah, for you, for your own experience. I, I think I think the slowing down was, I didn't predict the fullness of that um, measure as a good, I thought it'd be a good thing if it happened, but uh, the effect it had on me was personally was very good. Um, and others too, I hear that they went about their tasks in a different way. Mm. How did you go about yours in a different way? <laughs> well, I, I felt a mental strain uh, I felt quite exhausted in, on the one hand, uh, in a different sort of way, trying to reach people and connect. And we're trying to think of different ways to do it. Yeah. Uh, like we've just finished a video to the school, as you know, and the, the school asked that we do something. And uh, that requires an effort, which, you know, I wouldn't be, say I was particularly good at that. So um, you have a theme, you come from the Sunday's Gospel, uh, whether it be Corpus Christi or... Um, um, I think they've just done the uh, Sacred Heart of Jesus 
and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So uh, we just did one this morning for, the, for, for this Sunday. And just a three-minute um, pre- presentation. And that requires, you th- you're thinking a different way. That's what I think this corona thing's done. It's made us think in a different way and start to come up with new ways. And I think that's very positive because mm. we need to find new ways. We talk, we've talked about it as a church, but keep the integrity of our faith at the same time. Always be uh, evangelistic in the way in which we um, bring the gospel to people and find ways of doing that and connecting. So I, I've been, I feel pretty stretched at the same time I've felt very much more relaxed, um, more at peace, possibly. And what's what do you think is it in the engine room of that peace that's being driven? Because a lot's had to change. A lot has changed. If you think you had to nail it down to one thing and say, really fundamentally, I feel a lot more at peace at the moment with the way that things are because of, of this. Well, the, the calls on the hospital stopped, ceased almost completely yeah okay what just because you couldn't go correct and um i there were, you live in anticipation of that we we used to say among ourselves that the the pager for the hospital was like a hand grenade going off in your pocket well at any time three o'clock yeah. in the morning you'd have a call at three o'clock and then we've started to come back into into it yeah and still not have calls so you'd be on right. duty but the calls weren't coming and um I found that you're living in anticipation of that. Yeah. It's nonetheless, even though the calls aren't coming, yeah. you think, well, you could get a call. Well, it's be. like being a doctor on call, isn't it? Yeah, you, yeah, you, you yeah, never yeah. really go you're off, not, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. We weren't engaging in the same way. Yes. And I think some of that was good because we are on the run a lot of the time as uh, clergy and sometimes you wonder what, what, you, what you're bringing to people when you're so stretched. Um, so I think this corona has taken us to a place where we've had a, a kind of a retreat, a retreat imposed upon us because we weren't, well, for, my, for myself, probably not listening. Uh, we need to be a church that listens more, I think, and I think this has forced us to do that. I hope mm. it has. I see positive outco- a lot of positive outcomes coming out of this, uh, I hope. Think about the way we do things perhaps differently. Yeah. <laughs> So, Jeff, uh, Father Philip uh, uh, was talking about these positive outcomes. You wear a lot of different hats here at the parish. You're at the finance committee um, involved in Eucharistic adoration as well as some of the other liturgical things that happen around the parish. I mean, from what you've observed, what positives have you seen that perhaps you might not have expected to see happen through all this? Because I think it would have been very hard right at the start of all this for us to go, wow, we can see potential positives coming out of all this. At the very beginning, everyone was worried about what we would have to leave behind, the sort of things that we would have to stop doing that kind of define what a parish is. Mm-hmm. But these unexpected positives have emerged. For you and the parish here, what have you seen that uh, has really struck you? Well, I think probably the single biggest thing would be, and it probably applies to anything in life, is that you don't really appreciate something until you lose it, whether that be a person or anything else. Mm. And I think losing the mass uh, is one thing that really drove home um, how much importance there is to it. And, how and what, did that, what did that mean to you, losing the mass, personally? Um, it was a... Uh, it's more of a, a, a disconnect from, your, from, from a source. It's the disconnect from a connection that you draw 
from, which is the Eucharist. Um, so it became because not only the uh, the mass went, the Eucharistic adoration was was given the flick as well. Even though that's much more for one thing, there's no large groups there. Mm. So your your chances to encounter uh, Jesus in the Eucharistic sense was just boom, gone. Yeah, uh, and that. You know, it's a source of life and, and energy and, and everything. So, yeah, that was, you know, kind of really good when you, when it came back. And I think that probably applies to other people as well. So, Sandra, when all of this ability to kind of come together, meet together, all of the things that Jeff was talking about that make a, a parish what a parish is, what has the parish had to do here in Edwardstown in order to try to make sure that um, um, everything still feels as much like a parish as possible in these sort of times when things had to be done so quick and and change had to happen so rapidly, quite often uh, in spaces where um, um, parishes and, and people who work for parishes are completely unfamiliar and a lot of this is new. What did you guys do in order to try to make sure that everyone still felt together as one? There are also all the resources um, from the church, the, the daily readings, um, um, other commentaries and what have you. So there are other ways in which I was able to um, continue. Um, and apart from coming to Mass with my usual routine, uh, unfortunately, though, the other one of our great resources, the Animum Way, wasn't available. That For some reason, that wasn't um, coming due to the restrictions from mm. the, the disease. Yeah, there is formed as well, yes. Um, so there are... There are quite a number of resources that we can use and also uh, it, it's part of life. Things do change. Um, we can be very comfortable. So I found that was an, an interesting experience. Interesting how? When something that is so much part of your everyday life and so important is suddenly disrupted, <laughs> I suppose. Now, Georgia, you were saying before we got started today that you do go to other parishes or another parish. You choose to come here for the weekday masses, is that right? Here yes, to this parish? yes, for some years. Mm. Okay. Um, I guess why? And then sort of the second part of that question would be then what makes Edwardstown like a, a unique parish, do you think? Uh, why? Um, originally, to be honest, it was... A call on my heart. Someone mentioned uh, that was adoration on the Wednesday and I hadn't been for a while and I thought to myself, yes, I'm going to recommit. And I came here and I was really hungry to be spiritually fed mm. in a really deeper way and I was led here by the Holy Spirit. You know, I really believe that because um, just through that time, I found uh, coming back to daily mass as well over that time and had been for a little while, but just found a lot of spiritual um, feeding, I suppose, and when through you the you mass. Were, you were led by the Holy Spirit. What yeah. did that actually look like in your life, being led by the Holy Spirit? Uh, I think my prayer life, I think I was becoming more hungry for a relationship with God in a deeper way. Mm. And uh, I just didn't feel at home where I was to mm. some extent. I was a bit unsettled I don't know how to explain it um and I've always sort of moved around a bit <laughs> just in some respects to find out where I could be spiritually fed in different ways at different times um and it was just like it's just exactly what I was needing and there was a lot of um consolation to my heart at that time here 
um, just coming to daily mass um, and Father Philip's homilies and the Animum Way, which is the meditation reflection book for daily mass that I tapped into here, was really wonderful. So you're talking about a lot of elements here that that do make Edwardstown quite unique. These mm. these other elements are something that really do add to its own individual character. What about the that that that's sort of like the way that that that, that worship is done and prayer yeah. is done? Mm. What can you tell me about if you if all of those things were removed, if all of those things were taken away, what would make this parish still unique in terms of the people, in terms of the community? Um the relationships, assuming that you mean that they still remain. Yeah. I mean, in that time also, it wasn't just me coming to Mass and leaving. Um, there'd be a cup of tea after and we'd sit down um, and there was just a beautiful mix of people, really loving the, loving God, um, just speaking about their faith, really funny people, really quirky, all different types, all different ages, and I just I really loved sort of hearing them talk so um friendship with father as well um and lots of people here i just uh it's, there's a real connection between the people mm, mm. wonderful when you hear um georgia talking about that randy someone who's come from outside and 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 kind of chosen edwards town as for for what it uniquely gives does that resonate with you do you see and feel that same thing here uh, I would say exactly yes. I would agree with Georgia. This this is really quite a special parish. What's special um, about it to you? Well, it, it's for one thing, it's a smaller parish. It's it's not like it's not a conglomerate of multiple churches that have formed a super parish. Um, this is a, par a little parish on its own. It's got its own unique identities: the people, the priest. Um, it, it's like a little small family, a little community, mm. uh, and that you can't sometimes replicate that with those bigger parishes. Mm. I've found. And so that's what I think is quite unique about this parish, and that's actually what's drawn myself, my wife, and my my children to this parish. Yeah. What's this well. whole journey been? I mean, I've just been at mass. You were doing the readings today at mass, um, which usually indicates someone who's pretty parish engaged, uh, someone who's involved in the life of the parish more. What's this COVID nineteen journey been like for you and your family um, during this time at the parish? Well, for me personally and my family, we, I mean, the COVID has been a real challenge for sure. That's definitely for sure. Um, we, we do miss the ability to be able to uh, come to, to mass when it was restricted. Um, but I've been in a very privileged position because we had to find ways of continuing to engage the parish. And we thought, look, if we can't have masses, then we've got to try and live stream the mass. And We've never done this before. I personally have never done this before. And so it was actually something that I took upon myself to offer to the parish to let's just live stream this mass using my mobile phone. Mm -hmm. I did, what was I the first one like? Oh, <laughs> it was really funny. I think the very first live stream mass we had was Holy Thursday Mass. Wow. Okay. Holy Thursday No mass. pressure. <laughs> and, and I'd never done this before. And I, used, I was going to use my, my smartphone. I've got an Android phone. But... I think my battery was running low at the start of mass. For some reason, I hadn't had it charged. So I actually borrowed a, uh, a friend of mine's. And so we used his phone because okay. his had better connection and whatnot. And I can't see this story going down a oh, positive area. Listen, listen to this. So we, we recorded it. We live streamed it and it went off to air. We thought it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And then we looked at the recording and it was sideways. <laughs> nice. <laughs> 
So no. had it gone up sideways, sideways. correct? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's at home so with their heads on neck. the side. Everybody yeah, quick neck after the end of that mass. Okay. So, um, so it was a real, it was a humorous <laughs> attempt, but it was attempt nonetheless. And so we grew and we learned, you know, we gained experience. Parishes of Adelaide is a production of ArchD Radio and Podcasting for the Catholic Archdiocese of Adelaide. You can subscribe to this podcast and have it delivered to your device every Wednesday as soon as it's released on whatever platform you're listening to it on right now. Music in this episode is from Kevin McLeod, Lee Rosevere, and Hyde. If you think there are other people who may enjoy this podcast, please share it with them. And if there are others you know or in your parish who don't have the technology to listen to this podcast on their phone, their iPad, their computer or other digital device, we can make CDs of this podcast available. Please contact me by email. That's in the show notes and we'll work out how to get those to you. My name is James Meston. I look forward to catching up with you again next Wednesday. See you next week.